Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And the show is for anyone in the world that is passionate about making other people healthier in this world. Providers, payers, health tech companies, healthcare VCs all have different stakes. If you're running a fitness studio, yoga studio, if you work in diversity, um, this show is for you. And along those lines of diversity, I'm really excited to have Jamal C. Boyd Sr. on the show today. Jamal has a very interesting background, very strong passion about diversity, inclusion. He works, he's the Director of Diversity, Inclusion and Language Services at TriHealth. He's a, involved in a variety of other organizations, spiritual, religious organizations. And uh, But I'm not gonna talk about his background. I want Jamal to talk about his background, but most importantly, welcome to the show, Jamal. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about you, what led you to where you're at today, and tell us about your origin story. Sure. Uh, first, thank you, Anthony, for the humbling opportunity to be a part of your show and to share my background experience and, and to get into a conversation with you uh, that may be a blessing to your listening audience. And um, to talk about my background, I am a Philadelphia native, uh, born and raised. Both my wife and I and our family are from Philadelphia. We moved to the Cincinnati area about six years ago and have been uh, enjoying our time here in the Midwest. Uh, it's our first uh, area relocation and we are, you know, uh, transplants and, and from the city but enjoying the Midwest urban slash rural transition. And it's been uh, very welcoming to us since we've been here. But my background is in business, man. And uh, I never imagined in a million years that I would be in healthcare and mm -hmm. also be in the area of diversity. But it's interesting where they always say, you know, if you want to make God laugh, make plans. And <laughs> I had planned on owning uh, hotels and restaurants. That was my uh, desire and passion when I was in college, which is why I had gone to pursue a business degree and took a summer job uh, working at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and was taught by a friend of mine's mother how to do medical billing and coding and worked in a family medicine practice. And during that summer job, developed a passion to get into the healthcare industry because I was working with um, HIV patients uh, through some of the billing that I was doing. And that really made me want to get into the field because HIV was very, very prevalent at that time. And it was impacting people that looked like me, that were older than me, that didn't look like me, that were from different cultures. And that really made me want to do something to try and help prevent that from penetrating different communities. So through that job, I started working in the healthcare industry, went through accounts uh, receivables as a representative. Then I had got into collections and had also done um, uh, healthcare training for our billing system and then became a manager uh, for the training area and then became a department multi-section administrator for different sections of Temple University's um, Department of Medicine. And mm -hmm. from there, you know, really got into some of the operation sides of 
healthcare and from there uh, moved into academic medicine where I was the assistant dean for the School of Social Work. And I'm sharing this because all of it ties into where I've landed today. All of these previous roles that I've held um, in, you know, both academic medicine and then getting into um, regional practice administrator where I was purchasing doctor's offices and making them a part of a larger health system. And then Mm -hmm. uh, working for the state of Pennsylvania as their director for the Office of Health Equity, which was the first role where I had an opportunity to really dig into some of the diversity issues. But I had responsibility for the entire state of Pennsylvania's 18 plus million people and their health care as it related to health disparities and health inequities. And um, what led me to Ohio I had gotten laid off from that role in the state of Pennsylvania when the governors changed. And once the governors changed, they eliminated many of the people from his cabinet. And I was one of them. And being laid off for two and a half years, um, I was um, looking for work in the area and nothing panned out. But then an opportunity presented itself here in Ohio at Mercy Health. And I was recruited here to be the director for multicultural competence and inclusion and worked there for about three years and then transitioned over to TriHealth to lead their diversity uh, initiatives. And um, being in the area, I am also um, very active in my church and community, been very active in the community here in Ohio and Cincinnati region. Uh, I'm the chairman of the trustee board for my church, Lincoln Heights Missionary Baptist Church. I'm also on a number of boards, the uh, National Underground Railroad Freedom Center, the Family Nurturing Center, also the Healthcare Connection. So I serve the community in a lot of different capacities and try to make sure that everything that I do, that God gives me the opportunity to do, uh, I try to have impact and make a difference and, you know, bring my mm-hmm. whole self to that experience. So um, I know that's a, a long intro, but uh, I think every past role and experience helps to fuel the roles that I facilitate today. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things I always like to say is that we are the culmination of our life's experiences. Right. So, you know, we can't throw away anything. I think all of what we've gone through and who we are is as a result of what we've, you know, what, what God has deposited into us each day. Mm-hmm. Amen. No, absolutely, Jamal. I, I really appreciate I can resonate, you know, uh, with your story and, and the culmination of, of everything you've done and where you're at today. And it, it's interesting, right? And so, you know, this is the uh, the Pop Health Show. It's 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 meant to drive conversations around population health and the the premise right of populations is diversity, right? We're all different. When with our differences, there's these core elements of our identity that are not are not just important to highlight, reflect upon, but really uh, promote a lot more about ourselves because it defines like what we work on. And so it's really fascinating about your background. It has, you know, your, your background and what you're doing has really intriguing themes on diversity, courage, bravery, um, highlighting, uh, you know, inequalities. And, um, and then furthermore, you know, obviously the spiritual element of what you're doing, which is really the core and the why. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of these other uh, initiatives? So obviously you focus on, you know, diversity and leading that effort at TriHealth, which is a, a phenomenal system. 
Um, tell us a about some of the other things that you work on if you, or some of the other passions that you have when it comes to health diversity or, or you know, the similar you know, ethos of the space. Sure. So, uh, you know, diversity through my role in anything that I do is, you know, ultimately centered around spirituality. And, you know, I'm a Christian, so my faith is very, very um, important to the work that we do. And when you talk about faith, you can't not talk about diversity because, you know, when you talk about from a Christian perspective, the body of Christ, we are diverse, you know, and in the body of Christ, there's so much diversity and there's so much, so many differences in, in, in what we uh, reflect in how we are, but it's all one body, one spirit. And so in that, I think that in order to be successful in anything, you have to start with that spiritual component. And mm -hmm. when you start with that spiritual component, it then impacts the physical and the mental and what we do, uh, you know, in every area of our lives. So my mm -hmm. areas of interest and focus are, you know, really faith, finance and fitness, you know, mm -hmm. um, or mind, body and soul. So, you know, mm -hmm. in that you cover the gamut of all of what we all, you know, irrespective of who you are, what you believe in or, or what color you are. All of that is centered around those three key areas, I believe. And mm -hmm. if your faith or you have some type of spiritual grounding, that mm -hmm. helps with what you do from how you think and how you think impacts how you act and who you touch and what you do. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is, from a population health perspective, a desire to have balance in all of those areas. And, you know, that's my life's passion. How can I help? another person be balanced in all of those key areas. So through the roles that I facilitate, you know, whether it's on a board or for the organization that I'm employed by, I try to make sure that those three key elements are always addressed in all that I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jamal, no, this is great. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, you elaborating on the different dimensions and I like the, the, the three, I guess it, if you haven't branded it already, right. The three F framework, faith, finance, fitness. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, along those dimensions of faith, finance, and fitness, what works for you? Like what jazzes you up? Like what gets you flowing into the zone when it comes to these these three dimensions i will tell so i, I use the abide app the prayer app and that's been helping me a lot I, I subscribe to daily calm the calm app as well that helps so i'm always trying to you know obviously talk to god listen to god and i try and have that integrate as much as possible sometimes i don't know if i'm doing enough right sometimes i don't i don't know if i'm if i'm doing enough there you know and then my mom's got to call me up every week or two and ask me if i went to church or not and then i have to say oh no i didn't make it this week and um, but tell us a little bit what works for you. What do you what have you seen in, in faith, finance and and fitness that has have, that you've seen make an impact in your your health and your family's health? Sure. So, I, I mean, the number one thing is consistency, um, mm -hmm. you know, so when you are consistent in all of those three areas, so consistent in in your faith, having a prayer life or a consistent process where you center yourself, you talk to God because prayer is nothing but a conversation with God. But for me, what mm -hmm. jazzes me up is I start, go through and end my day with that consistent conversation with God. 
So, you know, having a, an effective prayer life helps me, you know, deal with everything, you know, come hell or high water or whatever it is that you might encounter throughout the course of a day, you know, having that balance to be able to pull back and say, God, am I handling this the right way? Or God, I didn't handle this the right way. You know, forgive me, whatever it might be, but having that consistency um, and being able to communicate with God through prayer um, is mm-hmm. a for me. That's that's number one. Same thing mm-hmm. with faith. You, I'm, I'm sorry, with finance, you know, being able to mm-hmm. balance the checkbook and, you know, be able to have a plan in place, savings and different things like that, that relate to mm-hmm. being financially fit you know, a good credit score and all of those things, that's very important um, mm-hmm. to me. And, and you know, being financially solvent, you know, you can't go out and tell somebody how to be good at something if you're not good at it yourself. And right. one of the things that causes a lot of stress in any home or community is finance. So, right. you know, being able to uh, represent that and reflect that, but also be able to replicate that in the lives of others that you touch is, you know, where again, being consistent is, is critical. And then mm-hmm. same thing with fitness, you know, we, as particularly for me, a healthcare executive, if I'm not emulating the lifestyle that I'm promoting in front of the population that is at risk, then how is it that I'm being authentic or true if I'm not mm-hmm. exercising consistently or I'm not working out or I'm not living the lifestyle that, you know, I'm encouraging others to live. So I can't tell other people how to be good at something that I'm not practicing or living up to in any of those three areas consistently. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All three dimensions, super important ones. I probably fail in <laughs> daily and weekly, but I'm always striving, always, you know, determined to get back up and, and, and hit these elements, you know, this is, I think, episode 55, and I would have to say that it, we haven't really dove deep on, on, on the spiritual element and the financial well-being element of health fitness. We've gone a little bit in. I'd love to hear a little bit more, but l- let's just say like, you know, there's a listener out there that doesn't know where to get started with their personal finance. Obviously, there's a stigmatization sometimes. A lot of families come from, oh, we don't talk about money growing up. We don't talk about budgets. We don't talk about, you know, save 15% of your stuff and if there's someone out there that hasn't looked at their finances in a long time, they don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're at. They're, they're maybe stuck in a, in a mindset that they grew up with and they're, they're not in that abundance, you know, designing abundance in their life from a financial perspective. What's one, two or three tips or advice pieces you would have for that person uh, to get on track with their personal finances? Sure. So I come from the projects in West Philadelphia and Mm -hmm. come from a, minority community where again these things are taboo and right normal to have bad credit it's normal to be stuck in a cycle of poverty and you know fortunately i was blessed to be able to get started and do different than what i was acculturated to believe is the norm right so as a result of that you know one of the things that i did was just get started um, and in and, and doing that, you get over the fear of knowing mm-hmm. the truth, right? So, right. you know, having a 510 credit score because you paid bills late or not at all or let things lapse and or not be mindful of those things. And also going to college, having the ignorance of money um, mm-hmm. and 
every credit card that was offered to you because it was what was being pumped and promoted on the college campus. And then mm -hmm. getting out of school, being in debt and behind the eight ball, that plagues minority communities more than any other community. So the one for me was to simply get started and get past the fear of knowing the truth. So one mm -hmm. I you know, got past that fear and said, oh, wow, my credit is bad. Um, oh, wow. You know, you do need to start saving. Oh, wow. You need to have a financial plan in mind and don't want to just live check to check and things like that. Um, that was my reality check and I got started. And then two, find the resources that can help you get better. So, you know, again, there's this fear and stereotype and stigmatism that help or asking for help is a sign of weakness and mm -hmm. or being vulnerable or sharing your business puts your business out there. Well, in order to get beyond where you are, sometimes you got to talk to people. <laughs> you know? right. So right. that was my number two, you know, and once I got past that and I started to see the benefits of that, um, it, it helped me. I'll also say, Anthony, though, you know, uh, things motivated me to do better. So by right. things, you know, I, I wanted to buy a car and didn't want to right. have to, you know, pay a huge interest rate to do it. So it behooved me to clean my credit up. Um, right. I wanted to buy a house. And in order to buy a house, I had to make sure that my credit score was at a certain place and that I had enough saving, you know, so for me, what also helped were things, you know, if you want to achieve certain things in life, then you got to have these things in order. And then once you get that taste of, wow, you know, having a 700 plus or 800 plus credit score, that looks and feels pretty good. And now you, you have access that you didn't have before. Mm -hmm. But these things are not talked about enough in my mm. community to create better economic health, which is all a part of what we're talking about, right? Right, so, right. Um, you know, that was a number two for me. And then number three is family, you know? So you, yeah. you don't want to leave a legacy of debt or bad credit or bad behaviors that lead to those things um, with those who you are stewards over, you know, as parents right. or as spouses. So for me, because I have a family and because we come from areas where those things are generational curses, I didn't want to perpetuate that. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm doing all the things that I can do to not inherit or, or pass along what I inherited, if you will. Mm -hmm. Super powerful, Jamal. Yeah, no, this is this is great. I really appreciate it. And you see, you know, obviously from a hospital setting, you probably see this dry health as well as like, or you don't see it. Sometimes it's like an iceberg, right? There's people that are coming in with heart disease and different ailments and different problems. And yes, you know, probably not having a spiritual core and a direction and a, and a definition of one's life. You know, there's nothing worse than that. But then there's a, an element of other, these other social determinants of health of finances, right? People that are in debt are really stressed out and they don't know how to get out. And, and I don't think enough uh, we, we talk about, you know, the financial element, the fitness element, obviously is super, super key. But um, let me ask you, so, you know, obviously, Jamal, you're focusing, you know, your core focus is diversity right now. Uh, why is, tell, you know, for our listeners out there, lots of hospital CEOs out there listening, lots of, you know, uh, payers, why is diversity so important? Why does, why is it that the difference, why is it the difference that makes a difference? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about diversity. And then for someone, maybe it's a diversity uh, director 
that's just getting started, what are some best practices that you've seen to really create a solid function so it's not just, you know, checking the box? Sure. So for the leaders out there who run organizations and or who are, you know, struggling with how to approach diversity work, first of all, diversity is who we are. It's not something that we do. And when we look at it as a function, a program or an initiative, we fail because Mm -hmm. it has to be something that we own individually and then that we expect from everyone that works with and for our organizations that serve the population and public. So it's Mm -hmm. very key and critical that we embrace it the right way so that then we can facilitate it the right way. And if every leader doesn't own it and embrace it and understand it, that's why we struggle with how to implement it and or when our budget within our organization gets a little bit tight, we neglect this function or eliminate it altogether. And I'll give you an, mm-hmm. uh, I'll correlate it to something that you said earlier. You know, when we don't focus on our finances the right way, it creates stress. So for us as individuals, if we're struggling financially, it impacts our decisions that we make around our health. If we can't afford certain things or we got to prioritize, you know, keeping the lights on or food in the refrigerator, um, that becomes more of a priority than our health. I relate that to our organizations as well as, you know, you look at diversity. So when you don't focus on diversity as a primary function that makes your organization successful, we fail, I believe, because our organizations are made up of diverse people. Our organizations are are comprised of multiple and diverse cultures. And if we only focus on certain key areas, then we're neglecting others. And if we can't figure out how to embrace all and be inclusive, but not just inclusive, but equitable. And I think when you start to talk about equity, that's what really scares a lot of organizations because we're not ready to invest in what it requires to have equitable outcomes for everyone. So whether you're talking Mm -hmm. about gender equity, pay equity, racial equity, um, you know, uh, performance in other areas where we have an opportunity to ensure that everyone gets the best and the same outcomes, irrespective of the labels or layers that we put on them. I think that, again, that's that's why organizations are struggling with this because they're looking at it mm-hmm. in the wrong way. Right, right. So it sounds like it's, it's about mindset. It's about leadership starting from the top. And um, no, this is this is great, Jamal. I really I really appreciate this and, and the perspective. Um, along those lines, in a similar thought, um, you know, tell us a little bit about the future. Whether the future of healthcare, you know, you've invested in with your career, your your efforts, your mindset in, in these interesting things of diversity, health, uh, you know, bravery, courage, uh, spirituality. Tell us though about. You know, all these pieces, you know, financial wellness, fitness, they're all critical pieces for designing great health processes in the future that could influence populations to be as healthy as they possibly can be. But but tell us a little bit about your vision of healthcare in the future. You know, some things you believe in health that maybe haven't been proven yet, but just tell us tell us your version of the future that you'd like to see manifest. Sure. So what I'd like to see manifest in the future as it relates to healthcare is equity. 
You know, everything mm-hmm. I believe is this the space where regardless of race, culture, gender, ethnicity, uh, sexual orientation, or again, label that we put on people or even their ability to afford the service, I would like to see equity. I, I think that when health systems and healthcare providers can ensure that whoever walks through their doors will get the same outcome as they would expect, um, you know, for themselves or for their mother or their mate. Um, I think that that is the equitable space that we can strive to get to because then we don't stereotype people or we don't limit the type of care that they get based off of how they present or who we think they are Mm -hmm. or what our biases or stereotypes about them are. So, you know, I I know that that's kind of euphoric, but at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, I think that that should be our goal because, Mm -hmm. you know, we limit or we alter at times the, the, the appropriateness of care for populations based off of, well, what type of insurance do you have? Or, you know, um, what's your sexual orientation if I'm coming in for, you know, a gender transformation uh, surgery? And we, you know, we look at the condition and say, oh, or you're a diabetic, but you're an African-American diabetic and um, you can't afford it because you have Medicaid. So we're going to give you this type of medication versus the best medication to help you improve in your HBA one, you know, your, your A1C level. So looking at it from an equitable perspective helps us to look at it differently and say, Mm -hmm. you know, how can we get the best outcomes or the same outcomes for everyone, even if it causes us to go the extra mile or do something different or prescribe something that we wouldn't normally prescribe to this population to get them an equitable outcome with populations that do better in this space. So I would love to see that. Um, one of the other things I see as the future of healthcare evolves is a lot of consolidation. I think that mm-hmm. many um, small health systems or healthcare providers are going to merge or collaborate or be bought or purchased or partner with uh, larger agencies just because of the fact that, you know, there's going to be a lot of healthcare disruption in the future and you know where we get care how we get care mm-hmm. is all going mm-hmm. to cause a lot of consolidation but it's going to change the face of healthcare and be more consumer driven you know telehealth and you know uh minute clinics and you know the convenience care and concierge care i think all of those are elements of what the future of healthcare is going to look like and we need to be prepared and again that's diversity right there Um, Right. You know, where we're going to have to be prepared to address that and how it impacts certain populations that may not have the same access points. And if we don't Mm. start looking at that now from a care delivery perspective, we're going to be in trouble and start to also create more disparities and inequities by not looking at it the right way. Wow. Yeah, no, this is great, Jamal. This is a great perspective on the equity piece. Absolutely. And it it feels like we're on the verge of, I wouldn't say we're like a science away from it, but it does does seem like we're getting closer. You know, there's some really interesting things going on in in, uh, diversity, supplier diversity, team diversity that is paving the way for equity. It almost feels like it, it should be shaping up to be its own 
like function and process that's shared between providers and payers. Um, and uh, that diversity is just almost like a sub a, a sub process of of you know um, excellence and equity um, in this space. And so yeah, we're in right there you know with you on. Um, access as well. And it all supports, you know, as you've listened to the show as well, you know, social determinants of health, you know, super big thing that's coming up. And the only way to get down to the core there is to honor people's backgrounds, who they are, and to be able to, you know, have processes that don't you know, segregate or treat, treat people or things different and honor people's backgrounds. Um, Jamal, this has been super great to have you on the show. You know, as you work on things throughout the year, work on further projects and all your endeavors and what you're doing, love to have you come back and share, you know, some of those results. Always love to have you back. And, um, you know, obviously we'd love to link to any articles or contact information for people to engage with you on, in the show notes here. But if, if some of our listeners, Jamal, would like to get uh, in touch with you and connect with you, what would be a great way to do so? Sure. Um, I am on LinkedIn uh, as frequent as I possibly can be because I think that <laughs> that's a, a, a great social network that links right. what we do professionally and personally um, as, you know, as, as a tool to connect. So folks can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn under my name, Jamal, J-A-M-A-H-A-L, Boyd, mm-hmm. B-O-Y-D. Um, I'm... I'm constantly on there. I try to also communicate, you know, via uh, messaging on there so people can feel free to definitely reach out to me there and I'll be as responsive as I can be. Great, great. And then I know we didn't cover it too much, but I think, you know, we, we touched upon it just very briefly with, with TriHealth specifically, if you're a, a, a supplier a diverse supplier or a minority-owned business, um, assuming that they're, that TriHealth has a, a supplier diversity portal, some sort of process to submit like a minority business enterprise uh, certificate or, or fill out their information? Well, there isn't a portal as of yet. It's being developed as we speak. That's one sure. of our initiatives that we're working on. But there is Great. an upcoming uh, healthcare supplier diversity symposium that's going to be held on April 9th at the Sharonville Convention Center. And that is actually one of the more robust opportunities for us to engage with vendors or potential vendors who are looking Mm. to do business with our organization. So that is an opportunity for minority women, veteran or dis, you know, disability owned uh, businesses or business leaders to connect with our supply chain and our diversity executives so that we can provide uh, contact information and opportunities that may be coming down the pike for them to engage with us or submit RFPs. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad, well, I'm glad I remember to ask though, but, but this will be good. So what we'll do is we'll link to it in the show notes. And then if you want to supply any links over to that event, that sounds like it'll be a powerful event to kind of get get everyone together on the same page from a, from a supplier standpoint. Um, so, uh, Jamal, this was very powerful. Thank you for sharing the, the, not just the depth, but the breadth of scope of all these dimensions of health from, from faith finance to fitness, but just as importantly, kind of the, the ethos and spirit of, of equity and, and why being brave and courageous in the space is more important. We need more leaders like you. So, uh, Jamal, thank you for, for being on the show. This was awesome. No, thank you for having me. And again, if, there, if there's anything that you need from me, please don't hesitate to reach out. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, to our listeners out there, again, Pop Health Show, I think this is episode 55. But the most important thing is this is for people that are passionate about health. If you have a friend, family member, colleague that has a passion for health, send them this episode, send them the link to the to subscribe and uh, love to have people that are passionate, that are leaders of healthcare on this show. Jamal, thanks again. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.